Hello, friends. Uh, today we are here to discuss The Great Ordeal, chapters 12 and 13. <laughs> Let's keep the chapters straight. Um, so it is my first time reading the Aspect Emperor series, and today we are here with Daniel and Katarina. Katarina, it's your chance to... I'm trying to fix my bad intro from last week, <laughs> so I'll pass it to you. Well, I don't think my record's much better than yours, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, I'm Katarina. This is my first time reading this book. And below me is Daniel, who has read the series how many times? A few. I've read it a few times. Fair enough. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> as usual, we're minimalistic in our uh, backgrounds and in our introductions and outros. <laughs> but uh, chapters 12 and 13, it, it felt like a lot a lot happened, but when I went back and looked at my notes, I didn't have that many notes. But I felt like a lot occurred. But before we started the stream, or before we started recording, we were discussing Sabon, with Katarina's favorite character. <laughs> so uh, do you want to address that first, or do you want to start on chapter 12? Maybe let's go in chronological order. Okay. Let's let's start with chapter twelve. Okay. One so, reason why I bet you might not have as many notes is because it was like a forty-page battle almost, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but I will say the the chapter twelve it it took me maybe three days to read. Like it felt it was very, like at the end. I also don't think that that much happened in it, but it felt very dense and it was, it was pretty difficult to read for me. I don't know how you felt about it, um, but it took me a really long time to get through it. It almost read, there was portions that read like a horror book, like um, with Soriel and his, you know, kind of what, what he went through, but yeah, it, it did feel, it had like a different pace to it or it felt a little different yeah and you also got the um sort of the interludes with the songs or the the poems <laughs> <laughs> yeah for some reason that reminded me of tom bombadil from mm. the lord of the rings but he wasn't singing good songs and he wasn't a, a jolly guy that was married to like a glowing queen he was the boatman sounds like an interesting guy to hang out with though right i mean i'm sure he has some stories I, I, isn't he's not able to speak anymore like he i think he, mm. isn't that isn't it that he can only sing but it's not able to communicate with people or with non with other non-men anymore i think that's what they said no i miss that I thought he was yeah. just crazy and just like to sing. <laughs> There's lots of layers of brokenness down below Isterbint. Yeah, that was pretty... Like, already from the previous chapters, like, we, we sort of got a sense of how desolate Isterbint was. But it wasn't until we went to the very bottom that you realize what has become of the non-men like wh what is like the lowest point that some of them ha can can go to <laughs> i 
they are uh, really interesting, right? In this whole journey, it's almost like a like a like the curtains got pulled back on this huge world that we didn't know existed or didn't really know what to expect. So it's in that sense, it's cool to see so much that we didn't, underneath the surface that we didn't know was there. What does that Lloyd Lord Orunis is that his name? At the end, says I have ate ten thousand swine. So he's just been down there eating pigs for. Who knows how many years? I mean, I was thinking about it. And it's like, if you eat a swine every day, that's like 1,000 swines every three, four years. So 10,000 swines, it's it's not, it's not that long, actually. Isn't it? It's like three, it's like three decades, maybe. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> I was a little confused on where all the swine came from. That's what the boatman's doing. He's like throw, throwing carcasses just as the boat clicks along the chain. But where is he getting the, the swine from? Is it, was, is it like a farm? Like a, are they that breeding must, them? Or? Must be what the Yuma, one of the Yumama's jobs. Hmm. It talked about how they used to be like as deep as they went. It used to be like a holy place, but it's just got worse and worse. And now they, the slaves do other jobs. And I think it even talked about how one day they would like stop worshiping, stop worshiping them and just leave once they all went crazy, which was inevitable. It felt pretty crazy. It was like just like descending into like madness, like different levels of madness. Um, but the or the what's his name Oirunas, he like he seemed pretty sane. Like considering considering like the other non-men that we like meet at each level, which are basically like not really. Um, I mean, they're like more like animals than than people. Oirona seemed to have it pretty together. Yeah, he seemed to to be not as crazy as the rest. Which... He, he he does kill his son by accident, but who's <laughs> who's mistakes counting? were made. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who's counting? <laughs> I think they like alluded to the fact that. Oh, I don't remember what they called it, but the where they made him live forever like affected the tall differently. So they just had a different level of madness. Yeah. So what exactly are the tall? Like are are there just like are there just like giant breed of non-men or are they even non-men? Do we know anything about them? Will we know anything about them? I was very surprised. There's no one. I don't think anyone ever mentioned giants before. They're non-men or non-men related. He killed his kid, and his his kid was the the last right, born non-men. 
yeah it just it just seemed to come out of nowhere like i i did not expect there to be a a giant non-man at the very bottom of uh Ishterbinth. yeah all of a sudden sorvel gets down there and just sees a dead carcass and then shield as big as him or i think it said a shield as big as half as half of the boat and a sword as tall as him and then he just grabbed his head and yanked on it but this was wild yeah for a second i was really worried that um he just uh snapped sore wiggles head off and then i was very happy to to find out that he just took the the Amiel off. Not very n nicely. Sounds like he's pretty scarred up now. Yeah, seems like he might have skinned his face. Hmm. Which poor Sorwheel. He goes through a lot in this chapter. And I was, for a minute there, I was wondering if he was never going to be sore. Because it kind of mentioned something like he, Sorwheel is gone. Like it's the person he was, is, but it seems like he's still around somehow. Yeah, I am curious about that. Like I, I wonder how much of what, like how much of the memories that he got from, uh, from from the from the helm, like how much that has stayed with him, and like is like how much is he going to remember, and how much has it changed her his personality. Or even, or even if if uh, if the non-man is still somewhere living inside of him, or if he's gone, if he's gone with the helmet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there was something with Serwa. It seems like Serwa. Uh, there's a there's a section that talks about her being the greatest witch to ever walk the three seas, and she's the. She was the master stroke, the monstrous cargo. Um, kind of seemed like no, no one like Sorwheel or Moingus didn't really matter to Achilles. At least it was all about Sorwa. That there's something. She's, for as much as he doesn't, looking back, I know he he wasn't he was like an absentee dad, but. He did send her to the, you know, to to be trained into the schools and everything. So it seems like maybe there's something special about Serva that she has a role to play in everything. That she's not a disposable kid. Which is, you know. Well, she is. I would I would say she's certainly one of his most competent tools. Like she, she like she's very powerful and therefore also a very useful for Kellis. Um, but I was also, I also was curious, um, what exactly her mission was, because I don't think they really explained it. Um, they, they talked about sh that she was supposed to do something in Ishwal, but I wasn't sure if she was supposed to, like, was she, was she, was she there to destroy it or was she there to seduce the non-man? Um, mm -hmm. Why? Why did Kellis send her there? Like he clearly sent her there for a reason. What? What exactly so, that was? I, yeah. Just show them that. his portion. Okay. Well, what does that mean? Uh, to, 
she made she sang and made demonstration of of her father's dread portion. Yeah, I'm not really sure either. Well, if if he sent her there to to destroy Ash, uh, not Esterbenth. Uh, if he sent if he sent her there to destroy Sterabinth, then it, I mean, Sorwheel kind of did most of the job, or the 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 giant non-man did, but it's uh, I I I mean, I didn't like I I do understand that they sent like Sorwheel probably was not as important to them, but it seems like. They lucked out that he was there. Yeah. We get the little portions with Sarway and Kellis, whether it's like a dream or an old memory or a dream of an old memory. And she's like thinking about giving up and says she failed. And he says, well, you, you haven't really looked yet. And I guess it's debatable whether he knew that the non-men had already sided with the consult or not. And if he did, then... Maybe he had us send in a tool. I don't know. It's hard to... It's hard to say anything at this moment. Just gotta... Choosing your words carefully, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm. I mean, but if, like, if that was the plan, I'm still. I still quite don't understand why they chose Sorwheel to be the enemy. Uh, because they could. I mean, there were a lot of other scions, or well, I mean, at least there were a couple of them left, including Zoronga, who probably hated the Ines Rimber very openly. Whereas everyone just assumed that that Sorwheel has become like the Believer King. So I, I still don't understand why they why Kellis decided to send Sorwheel. Um I think if they would have had it much easier if they sent someone else. Or at least Sura would have had it much easier. Like she wouldn't have had to sleep with Moengus to to make Sorwheel start hating her. You're muted. So I was drinking my coffee. I forgot to unmute myself. Uh, no, I think uh, Sorwheel is a like a soft target. He's like malleable. Like they can do whatever they want with him, and he won't. He's because we saw last week during the other chapters. What is it, eight through ten, or which seven through ten, or eleven? Uh, he flip flops a lot. He's he's easily manipulated. So maybe that's why he's there. Do you think if they wouldn't have sent Sorwell and they would have sent someone else, the pact would have been honored and they wouldn't be sided with the consult now? Or do you think that they still all would have been slaves, only the guy would have never, the tall would have never came up and created the circumstances to give Sarway the chance to show her father's dread portion hmm. i don't know but 
I I kind of just assumed that the non-men were never going to uh, honor the the what's what's the name of the ritual? I think it was like the neom. Yeah, yeah, right, the neom. Yeah, I, I I I got the sense that they were never like that. That was their that was their plan all along. To just take the uh uh the the for children hostage and. Because. Obviously, they've been sided with the consul at least since they invaded Ishul, however long ago that was, probably. Yeah, but I, I, I do, I guess I do believe that if Sorwil hadn't been there, hadn't been sent there, then um, Sirwa and Wangus would have just died in Ishterabinth. Mm -hmm. And the the giant, I don't, I mean I don't know like maybe maybe Oinaral would have found a way to um, awaken his father, um, but I think probably probably uh, Sirwa and Wangus would have been dead. <laughs> Which you... speaking of like speaking of Mwangas. Oh, I want, do you remember, do you guys remember the trip into the first non-men under, under mansion with a Camian and the skin eaters? And okay, that one. How, when they got out, they all had changed a little bit do you think that's uh, like to what degree is that going to happen in this underground manner hmm. is it going to happen as you were just saying moingus like looked at sarway and didn't seem to even recognize her at the very end seems like everyone's losing their minds somehow doesn't it like whether it's in the in the mansion or whether it's eating the meat yeah the gmo approved <laughs> meat we'll get to that but um yeah it seems like everyone's losing their minds like everyone's losing something like no everyone's changing and not in a good way yeah i do believe that they have changed um even sirwa who is Pardunane seem to have been affected what she she gone through, and Moingus is not even Dunyane, so I can't imagine how he's going to cope with all the the trauma um, and pain that he suffered in those dungeons. And and Sorwil is just like he gone through like an entire like lifetime of. Like millennia and millennia of of, of non men, um, non men's memories and experience. I, I mean, he. It, it actually, I mean, it made me really tearful. Actually, like it was just right at the beginning of the chapter when he uh, when he sees um, the the Amiel's uh, old lover, like the 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 guy he like loved and left with for like thousands of years and he sees him decapitated by Oinaral. That was like super short but like made me super sad. 
to like just imagine like the emotion that he, he had to go through at the moment. Very, uh, very bleak. <laughs> Looking back on this chapter, you're, you're right, Katarina. It is a dense chapter. Lots, lots of things, in, and like you mentioned too, a lot of things happen in a short period of time. It's not really emphasized. It just happens, and then it, we move on because there's so much going on. Yeah, I don't think I even learned. I remember, I remember at the end, like last last week at the end of uh, at the end of the Ishtarbans chapter, I was trying to like understand where there was like a, like it seemed like there was like sorcery, like chasing something sorcerous chasing Sorwil, and he was like running, and then like the non-man exploded. I don't even know that we found out who that was or what was chasing them. Um, so there, there were a lot of things, like a lot of like things that seemed pretty important, but we just glanced over. Were the non-men falling and <clears throat> Sorwil asking if they're committing suicide and them saying, no, suicides, that's not something we ever do. Right. And yeah, that too. Yeah. Not knowing exactly what was causing them to fall off the ledge. We we are five and a half books in, maybe a little bit more. I'm I'm trying to remember. I can't think of any point. We've never had a like a POV of the consult, right? We've never. We've never well, seen. A, I think we one. have once We're, when okay. when the synthes was flying. It was like a bird's eye kind of point of view. But as far as they're like plotting or planning or. Um, I don't, because we hear a lot. I mean, they're such a major player in the in the series, and we haven't had very much of them. It's kind of strange. Yeah, not not in any detail. Like it's it's all been very mysterious so far. I agree with you. Um, but yeah, I think we, we we've seen the world through the eyes of the. Is it Orang? I think it's Orang. We did get a his POV a few times. An alien point of view, and we got to see him at the end of these chapters. Yeah, that's that's also was something that well, we're going to talk about it later. But it's just what what another thing that sort of like just happened was like one one paragraph, and then you forget about it because so much so much else is going on. I really like the scene where the tall finally shows up and. I think just like strikes his sword against the mountain and sparks Ninsiljaris, Ninsiljaris, the new king under the mountain, because he's got all the oil all over him. He just like light, lights on fire <laughs> instantly. I shouldn't, shouldn't laugh, but it was kind of funny. It was good. Funny. Yeah. It's his, his love for the oil. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Um... So do you think that Yatware had any role in this or has she, like has she completely abandoned Sorwheel at this point and this has just been his doing? I think not done with Sorwheel just yet. <laughs> I don't know they give up on that, on him that easy. I think it's gone 
he's gone too far for them to give up on him. Yeah, there was this. There was one one thing at the end where, um, like, Sir was she's 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 bound to the ground, and there's this quarry flying towards her, and then just before it hits her, the floor drops and it misses her, and I, I felt like that was maybe too much of a coincidence. But I don't know. There's also, like, it might have been two more or one more, like, reference to the stork. It just described oh, a white yeah. a white bird with orange beak. Didn't say stork, but. I think it said what? I think it said uh, it represented life or something like that, like um, hope or life or something. Uh, yeah, they, they didn't mention the stork fertility yeah or yeah yeah i think that's where isn't it where when he they're sort of hanging on one of like the ropes or chains and um Soril sort of lets go but then the stork shows up and somehow he miraculously he manages to land land on the on the hall i think that's that's where the stork that's where I remember the stork showed up. Seemed like a wild boat ride. And they were only in the water for a second. I got really confused. Like, was there any water or not? That's what I was wondering. Because I kind of, in my mind, I thought of it like as a river with, like, you know, banks. and But then it seems like they're on, gra- on the ground and that he's a he's the boatman. But are they on a boat? or Because it seems like they're not on a boat. There's so much yeah. happening. I also thought it was a river, but then, then they were like going, like they were sort of descending down into the into the abyss. But then there was a river again, and some water. Well, I, so what was I? I had I had like a pretty hard time imagining how exactly the the space looked like. I'm not gonna lie. I can send you a really rough picture of what I seen of the boat. Someone posted a picture of the boat the other day and throughout the chapter you keep hearing like the clack 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 what do you guys think that is well i thought it was the chain that was that the boat was tied to that was um i mean i assume there's some mechanism that gradually lowers it towards the bottom so i assume that that what it was that's so what I thought too, like a big chain. So it's like a boat on a chain, right? But at the end, they like veer off of the chain and it talks about Sorwill like looking down and seeing. I for- forgot exactly what he's seen. It was water, but in the water's reflection, he's seen like the abyss. called it what did it oblivion reaching ever outward or something so i think like at the end the the boat comes off of the chain and they're like wading through a still the still waters at the bottom of the cave and then it beaches and that's when sorbil grabs or Oinaral's arm and like stops him so he doesn't like fall forward then they get off and there's like a white sand beach 
Yeah, that whole thing was really confusing. It's horror. It's yeah, horror adjacent for sure. Hmm. Yeah, it felt it felt quite disorienting. And then you have like all these statues surrounding them, and then so just they they change and it's like they're all like looking towards them and. Sorrel you... falls. Sorrel falls asleep, and there's a bunch of little baby statues, yeah. like all marching up to him. Wild stuff. And all all the while the boatman just sings in the background. Except for when they went through the one part where no one can talk. So he didn't sing at all then. Didn't they then they warn them that if they talk <clears throat> they'll kill him? I think so. But I think for me, my favorite thing about this chapter was just the I don't know if I call it transformation but there's like a lot of like realizations that Soriel goes through um the way that he sort of embraces well maybe embrace is not the right word but he's sort of forced to look at himself through the eyes of of the Amiel and kind of like realize realize how pathetic his life is and insign- insignificant compared to like the non-man's life and just the like not in the entire non-man civilization and um as, as, when you ask like before if if i think if we think that um they they will have been changed by by, by the experience i think that seemed pretty uh life-changing like to suddenly see yourself through the eyes of someone else and someone who is so different and has such a different uh, perspective on life than you or the, like, than a, like a 17-year-old kid has. Yeah, how insignificant the death of his dad is because he's like a <clears throat> spark in a bonfire. Just insignificant. Yeah, I, mean, I think there's like one part where he's comparing the the loss of his father to the loss or the the, the rage that the the non man felt felt or feels, and it's just incomparable. Like the emotion is so so big that he cannot really even encompass it and comprehend it. Mm-hmm. One's one's a rock and one's a mountain. Yeah, so I I, re- I really enjoy that the, like the the perspective that he gets, um, and that he also and it like it ties into like how he sort of comes to understand that Yatwar probably is not all seeing, and that um, Kellis is actually probably trying to save them, although that's still. <laughs> <laughs> that's still <laughs> uncertain depends on who you ask uh, but I, I, it, did, it did feel like Sorreal was losing his identity like he wasn't Sorreal anymore they kept you know he's referred to the the son of Horwheel instead of Sorreal um, so he's kind of trying to 
kind of battling with his identity and his control of his own mind. His soul. Yeah, but yeah, but then at the end of the chapter, when Sir was looking at him, um, it's like she, she she sees him after like a long time, and she looks at him and she says that he was real. I and I was wondering called him like a hero or something like that yeah i think so yeah i think you're right and right before that she had like the moment where she like screamed but she didn't do it as a dunyan as a trick it was like a real scream and she kind of like the moment kellis broke on the circumfix maybe maybe broke Yeah, I thought it was, it was, it's, that's a good comparison. Um, and then she looks up and calls Sorwill a hero, right? So is she broken or is Sorwill more than he was, I guess? Or is it a little bit of both? And I guess Moingus is less than he was, it seems like, significantly less than he was. Yeah, when when she looks at Moengas and the way she describes how like she's surprised to feel something, that was very reminiscent of um, how Callus was surprised that he was like he was crying about um, Sir Sirwa dying or not Sirwa uh, Sirway Sirway dying on the on the circumfix. But I don't know what it means for Sirwa. And I don't know what it means for for so real. Um The circumference circumfrix has been mentioned a few times that I can that I've it seems to be mentioned a lot more because it, when it happened it it was a it was a big event but it's kind of it seems like it's been brought up again and again. So it's scripture now. It talked about how. Sarway knew like a secret hardly anyone knew that they painted the walls black to accent <laughs> Kellis's haloed hands. <laughs> yeah, and, and they they also talk about no wait, that's no, that's a different chapter, never mind. <laughs> we'll talk about it in a minute. Wild chapter, though. I guess we're about there. Yeah, probably. Okay. Well, okay. So they also they um when Caiutus is having a conversation with uh, Proyas, he talks about like how he and the other NS Rimber kids how they spend like a really long time to time trying to figure out what what Kellis was about, and that they finally realized or that Theliopa realized that. Like he wasn't, I don't know if she, I don't know if she doesn't say he wasn't real, but she says that he does, he didn't exist, that he was always someone different depending on the circumstance or depending on what the situation required, I think. It's on uh, three, it's actually one of the portions I had tabbed. That's <laughs> funny you mentioned that. Okay. It, it, it says he is an intricate web of deceptions and stratagems bound on a something principle of salvation 
which mm. is interesting. It would suggest that um, at least the Anessa Rimber children believe that Kellis is goal really is salvation. But I guess maybe the question is salvation for whom? And there's the part where yeah. Surway says, what if I fail, Father? And he says, then spend your last moment on prayer. For me? For everything. So, uh, is, is that Kellis's mad, maddened delusion? Or is it there's some portion of reality to that, I guess. Hmm. Rea portion of reality to what? That if Serva Has... fails, then we're screwed, kind of, right? Yeah, to the to the same thing to Kellis believing that he is trying to achieve salvation for everyone no matter what he has to do to get it <laughs> i don't know maybe um it seems like he believes that that's what he's doing does he though <laughs> Or is he just his manipulations and intri what is it, intricate, intricate webs of deceptions and stratagems? So with him, you never really know what his intentions are, what he's trying to do. But we got a mostly Dunyan perspective on what they think he's trying to do. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. It, but it's... Sorry. It was Theliopa who came up with it, which is interesting, right? Mm -hmm. And she was dressed way better than, way better than Proyas when she came up with it. <laughs> yeah, it, it was interesting to read that perspective on Kellis because I don't know, the way they talked about him, it seemed like he wasn't, it felt like he wasn't a real person. Like he wasn't some, like he wasn't a person with a goal. It seemed he was like, I don't know, like, I guess, well, he talks about himself as a place. So it, it, I don't know, the sense I got from it is that he's like, too, like maybe he's like too entangled in what in like the grand like in the thousandfold thought I guess that he's not like his own person anymore like that everything he is is sort of subjugated to that one purpose I don't know I was It, it, it made me more confused about like what exactly Kel he seems to be like more than just a person or or less I don't know this is a really interesting string of thought so if Kellis if Kellis is a 
can be a place. Is he the outside? I don't. I mean, isn't his goal if he if he, what he wants is salvation? Wouldn't his goal be? Isn't his goal kind of to destroy the outside? <laughs> I'm just throwing things out there. To cl close, close the granary and let the fields grow wild. Not let yeah. any demons feast on souls anymore. Maybe he doesn't intend to live. I would go along with your theory that everyone dies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like this uh, the, what I'm getting is like he's kind of it, it, the, like he's maybe like more approaching it's like he's approaching godhood maybe it's like he exists over like he's not just like he's not just a person like he, it's like he exists over like he almost exists like over time and over place so it, it does seem reminiscent of like the way that the gods are described as well and he's been to the outside and he's 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 talked to the the other demon demons and seemed like he did he did okay there so i guess if i don't know if he decided to move to the outside maybe they would accept him he would be like the 101st god they they offered him some baby once i think when he was there The spoil spoiler I accidentally gave last week, it mentioned it finally. Did you guys notice that? No. Which one are you talking about? It's a part where uh, Saban is looking at Kellis and he is, it says the decapitant's heads are swinging on his hips, black mouths working. Um, but I thought I thought we like we'd know we'd seen the the heads before the demon yeah. head. And it, it it has referenced the things on his like the heads swinging on his hips a couple times. But you looked it up last week and you said that the word decapitant wasn't in there yet. No, I don't think so. Yeah, no, no, no. I think it was, I think, it, yeah, it was right. It was the chapter 13 where it appeared for the first time in this book. Hmm. Um, I, I don't, I don't know if we, if, if he'd referred to them as decapitants before. Um, I really feel like it had once, but just like alluded to it, like he likes to do, like an offhanded reference here and there until. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, they're decapitated heads, so <laughs> I just I just didn't put the two and two together. Uh, well, I did like the. I'm sorry, Daniel. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, so I did. I did like the arc fall. Uh, how arc fall changed everything and the 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 effect it had on the world. Like it seemed like a. Because we hear about it, but now we know we get more details on how destructive it was and what it did to the to the 
the planet and it's it seems like a like a dinosaur level extinction event and i really thought of it that way until now yeah also gujara Simoy was kind of a dick Like, uh, the, the Viri mention gets bombed, essentially, and he's like, I'm not going to help you guys, even if you're starving, because my honor is more important, or whatever. It's not, that, that's not very, but that's not very nice behavior for the, the greatest non-man king to have ever lived. They don't seem very compassionate. <laughs> <laughs> that was even before they got like the womb plague curse it was before any of that happened they were already kind of dicks they thought they thought of men as like cattle pretty much you look at that character in the glossary and it says kind of a dick <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, it would, I did, I did, I did enjoy the little bits of information we got about the Viri mention and the fact that they, they didn't have any slaves. Um, they actually like did their own, like grew their own stuff and like worked the fields and whatnot. It's kind of interesting. I mean, it feels like a shame that that's the mention that got annihilated by by the Ark. That was in the days when the non-men warred with each other, right? I think there was 12, 12 non-men mansions, maybe. Something like that. 12 holes in mountains scattered all around. Yeah, I, I I did not read the glossary at the end of the Thousands of Thought very carefully, so my my history of uh, the non-men is, is very patchy, unfortunately. That's all in that first chapter of the history of Irwa. That's mm. a lot about the non-men beginnings, and I guess since we're this far, you could probably read the first little bit now without feeling scared. Yeah, I guess. I uh, there were there were some parts in the Ishtarbin's chapter as well where he was referring to like the other like men chains and and, and non men. Um, I got where I got a little bit lost because I was not really picking up on all the references. So I suppose it it might be useful to get some setting up on the history a little bit. I was trying to find. The section with Sabon, whether he <laughs> is alive or dead. There was a real surreal moment for him there when he was trying to yell at his younger self. I. Uh... I don't I don't know how I felt about that. Like on one hand, I'm like I was happy to 
see that there was a payoff to to what happened uh to what he saw in the warrior prophet but i'm also not very i i didn't really make much sense of why it happened in the first place like how did he end up at mangeta like does it have something to do with the topoi like are they somehow connected um or like what is it about his death that he got to see himself in the past well or the future at Mangeta? was that the first death that we got a first person view of Hmm. Um, well i mean confis gets his head chopped off by sabon and i think that's that i mean that's definitely written from his pov from from confis's pov but you don't you don't get to see what happened to saw what happened to confis after he died that's for sure hmm well who knows i guess <laughs> i didn't i didn't really expect to get an answer out of you but it, yeah i was just i was just like okay but like why why him you can definitely assume that dagliash is a topoi though right i guess it and, is now and who knows what connects them i think it's kind of it talked about how at first they like used it as like a cover so they could attack minirokus and then afterwards they like used it to defend the second time they went there so the first time it was used in like deception and the second time it was used for righteousness but it's there's been lots of use of it i even think it talked about how they used to call it the lilac because its walls were always painted in red like mm. in, in crimson so lots of blood has been shed did you did you find the the section you were looking for steve uh i think it's at the very very end yeah because he is he just gets from the spider, gets cinched into nothingness. But he's still, he's still fighting. I thought he managed to survive. Let me see. And maybe I misread it. Which is well, he's while he's looking. Why don't you tell me what you thought of the battle, Katarina? Did you get a good perspective of maybe what the landscape was like or the battle at all? Well, I prob well okay. I I I have to confess. I probably should have. I probably should have looked at the map, but I didn't. So, I was. I I had a general sense of like what was going on. I was a little bit confused, like where everyone was. Um. But, I guess the. Th the thing I enjoyed about the battle is that we, 
like we had like several groups that we were following and and i'm not like the biggest fan of the the bird's eye uh perspective like i i, I probably enjoy more when it's like written from like a like more like a narrow like a tight perspective like from like someone like an actual person's like on the battlefield so i like that we get to follow like sabon and proyas and um the the mandate schoolmen um and then we kind of switch between like those like three or four four characters um so it was one of the more enjoyable battles in this series for me at least i think he may be dead <laughs> i thought he, i thought he survived i thought he was still alive i'm sorry i'm totally misread it how do you feel now that you just found out poor seven well, probably I was about dead to... I was about to send Katarina like a celebratory message, but I was like, I better wait. Like Saban, you know, didn't know if you had gotten to it yet, but because I thought he had I'd managed to survive and I was a little bit bummed because I was hoping he would die. It'd make it more meaningful, make the battle more meaningful if someone, someone we've had around for so long would die. But I think, yeah, I, I just misread that. So I was, I mean, like, I think that it makes sense that you, that you would misread like it lends itself to be misread perhaps um i got a little bit confused initially as to like what was happening to him but then i realized that we were back at Mangeta and reliving sort of the vision he had in the warrior prophet when he saw himself his his own corpse on the battlefield and then it all sort of made sense I forgot all about that from the Warrior Prophet. That was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot all about that. Um, what was the golden coffer that was the size of a dollhouse? What is the golden coffer? Is that what Akamian's promising all along? So I had two theories when I when I when it first appeared, I had two theories. I was like, either it's a message. Some sort, some kind of a message from the consoles to Kellas, or it's a bomb. Oh. And then, I was I then then it when it didn't blow up immediately, I was like, well, I guess it's not a bomb. But then it did blow up, so I was like, okay, it was. <laughs> it, it it was a bomb. Um. And maybe but, a message. There was definitely writing on it. That's true. There was something written on it. Although maybe it was just a countdown. Um, also, I was surprised that Kellis was able to read uh, inquiry scripts. But apparently he can't. Um, it, it, it was surprising. I did not expect that to happen. And I guess... My question now is why, like, if all the whole time the console had the ability to, like, nuke them, why didn't they just do it at the very beginning of the greater ordeal? Like, why bother with, like, that in the, the, with the, the march? And why bother trying to, um, trying to, uh, win over, win, win over them on a battlefield? Why not just like drop a bomb on the greater real or drop a bomb on Momam 
when Kellis was still there. Hmm. Good, good question, I guess. Um, so this, uh, there was one, one line that kind of stuck out to me on 357 at the bottom. The judges would execute only those they found coupling with the carcasses. (laughs) Yeah, I, I admit um, there were a couple of moments in that chapter where I wasn't sure if he was referring to the men or if he was referring to the strength. I think that was on purpose. Um, but yeah, I, I was reading it and I was like, wait, are, 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 is he describing the strength or are these the soldiers? Either way. <laughs> yeah, but the difference between the two seems to be, uh, seems to be uh, diminishing. Yeah, I kind of thought of them as thought of, I kind of thought it was referring to the shrink because of how they've been referring to them as the skinnies and um, kind of, um, I'll say dehumanizing them because they're not humans, but kind of their objects and not their, yeah, so interesting stuff. Yeah, it's, it's it's pretty dark. And I think that might kind of allude to what the meat is making them. It reminds me of a quote I don't remember. It's from some philosopher, maybe Nietzsche, where he says, be careful how long you stare into the abyssless like lest you become the abyss yourself right uh lest the abyss stares back at you yeah there we go Yeah, I, I did get the sense that the, the men were becoming more strength-like. Um, even like Sabon, you kind of get a little, like you, you get hints like from his perspective that it's becoming very, oh, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to use like, he feels something when he, when he's witnessing the violence and the slaughter. What does he say when he's uh, preparing for that last battle? I don't want. I'm. I'm tired of eating chicken, or I don't want to eat chicken anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if that was like alluding to him wondering what the bashrag would taste like. Mm. Yeah, that's that's what I thought it it could have meant. Yeah, it's ready I think there's some a... new meat. <laughs> Yeah. Terrible. But so why did why do you think that Kellis sacrificed Sabon 
or like first of all would you think that kel is new that that was uh the console's plan that they were going to just blow everything up and second why did he take sob on to dagliash and then why did he leave him there hmm. Proyas was so mad that he wasn't going to be the one, and he might not be as mad now. The whole introspection Saban went through, too, at the end, where he was, like, talking about how he finally, like, truly believed in Kellis once Kellis proved to him that it was all a lie, that power was his, like, foundation of belief. Until the very, very end, right when he died, and then he was trying to tell his younger self not to believe Kellis. But... I was quite surprised by that. Like, I guess the thing that surprised me was his surprise at the fact that <laughs> he was going to hell. Like, you would have thought that someone like Saban wouldn't. Like he, as he's like he says, like he believed in Kellis's power and like Kellis's might, but he, I don't know that he necessarily believed the religious aspect of it. So I, I, I didn't expect him to expect that he was going to be saved, which apparently he did, or maybe everyone kind of believes that they're not going to hmm. be damned when they die. Um, so that was a bit surprising. Um, but it, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting take on like what faith means and why people choose to follow, like for what reasons they choose to follow someone else. What do the non-men refer to? I think they call it, they're like trying, they say they're trying to escape from the starving sky. Well, what's the what's the quote of the beginning of this chapter? The what's the epigraph? Even the gods good. must eat. Yeah. So, are any of the gods good? It also seemed like there was a moment when. I forgot who it was that was fighting, but they, like, decided that maybe if they fought valiantly enough, Gilgale could save their soul at the very end. If they did something awesome enough for the god of war, the god of war could save them. The Gilgale has been suspiciously absent for most of this series, I feel like. Like, there are a lot of people invoking Gilgayal, but he's not really showed up, If unless you're counting the Kelmomis' prophecy. Hmm. He's been pretty absent. Yetwar's really the only overly active god. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe a jokely, but we're still 
I'm still on the fence about that. Hmm. In the fence and a jokely, a jokely. On the fence of whether he's actually involved in what's going on in Momam and whether he's chasing mm. Kelmomus or not. <laughs> Daniel took a, bit, a deep breath and closed his eyes. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it, it takes a lot to, to remain um, composed <laughs> for you, Daniel. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll see. But none of them are making a blatant appearance. It's only Yatwar. And how's that working out for Yatwar? They killed Mathenet. That's... Yeah, but Sorbiel is... I mean, doesn't sound like it's really going according to plan. Plans are weird in this. You never know what according to plan really means until long after the plans are over. It's true. Did Istrabinth go according to Kellis' plan? That's, that's still debatable, I guess. Seems like it's going to work out for him in the end, and he might get most of his kids back. Well, in pieces, though. Yeah, what's left of them? They're missing internal parts, but and maybe some external as well. Yeah. Oh, that's who, right. who knows? Who knows what they did to Moengus? I. When the skin eaters and Akamian and them came out of the mountain, they were changed, but it didn't change them all that much. Irrevocably changed, but really only Sarl was the crazed one. So we'll see how much this mountain changes these little kids because hmm. that's what they all are, are they're all little kids right well some of them are part Dunyan, but yes i would agree they're they're very young and the the skin eaters didn't have to suffer weeks or maybe months of like physical and and psychological torture They did. They they did got chased uh, by hell, but uh, I don't. I mean, I don't know what's worse. It's kind of hard to tell. They just saw all the Imwama slave barracks and all the dead bones of the old dead slaves. They didn't see the living. None of the living things. But it felt darker. It felt darker for Sorwill. I would have probably rather been with the skin eaters. 
than going down in the boat. Yeah, it's hard hard to tell. I mean, if as the as, as you know, like if you if you know how it ends, then I guess. Well, I don't know. At least Sorwil like sort of has his sanity and all his limbs. Um, most of the most of, most of the skin eaters didn't make it, as far as I remember. But the Camian and Mamara seem to only have lost a little piece of themselves in there. Mamara's yeah. a little different, yeah. But also developed a probably lifelong addiction <laughs> to non-men ash. <laughs> Will the Great Ordeal be addicted to shrink meat? There's plenty of shrink, I guess, to eat. They seem very, very eager to uh, kill and um, and do other stuff to to the shrine. So I would say, kind of. I would say, not, maybe not just eat their enemy. <laughs> yeah, it's bad news. Yeah, the non-men quarry seems much more pure. The sh eating the shrink meat seems like all the negative aspects of the quarry and, and very little of the positive aspects. Except they're not hungry anymore. And I think that was important to them at the end when they were all starving and they killed their slaves and they're just wondering what they're eating next. There was, but a, I mean, uh, my Mara or Norikamin ever tasted uh, cooked non-men, so maybe, maybe it's maybe it's not like the the type of thing. Maybe it's just more the method of preparation. I don't know. <laughs> it's all of the preparation, seasoning. You know, it's That's like some fish are poisonous. Unless you like cook them the right way. Better be a really good fish. There was a, uh, a quote on 361 from uh, I think sections from Proyas, but the reminder that nothing blinds a man to the future more than the outrage at what is past, the realization that he had become one of those requiring such reminders. a nice quote um Froyaz has a lot to process <laughs> yeah he's been through a lot yeah earlier we were talking about why Saban was the one to go um did doesn't sound did Callus do certain things to Proyas so he wouldn't go so he would survive I don't know Kellis has the final say. He can just tell him he's not going, and he's not going. But who knows why he did all of the things he did to him. All of the transgressions. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I would be curious to 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 find out why exactly Sabon, like if if that was the plan all along to have Sabon die, or if, or maybe like you know, I guess it, I guess it kind of comes down to whether whether Kellis knew about the bomb. Because if he didn't, then maybe he was planning for Sabon to live. And, and they do talk about the fact that if, like, one of, like, the main reason Proyas wants to go to Dagliash is because he just wants to end it. Oh, yeah, he's trying to, like, break through the line and he almost dies. Falls off his horse or something. And Sabon wants to live and he wants all the glory and yet... He gets, I don't know the proper word for it, salted, I guess. I guess he gets salted just like a, the mages get salted in the end. I don't know how big the bomb was, but Kellis said hide from Dagliash. So just nobody wanted to even be able to see whatever was coming for them. And then Kells disappears. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, bye guys. <laughs> he tells him to flee and then he yeah, disappears. Um Yeah, I I I did wonder like where is he like did he disappear just to hide from the explosion or did he have like a place to be? I don't know. So I, I figured, like, maybe there was a message from the consult. Maybe they, like, wanted to meet with him. Like, maybe he just... Maybe he actually went somewhere. But I don't know. Maybe he also just wanted to be away when that thing blows up. Which is understandable. Look at the time. I have to go. <laughs> Bye. And Sabon's just sitting up there, Kellis. He's coming back. I know he's coming back. And yeah, then he, he doesn't come back. He made you think he did, though, for a second, Steve. I thought he did. <laughs> I thought they I'm kind sorry. of left it open a little bit, but I was, um, I was wrong. I mean, I feel in the grand scheme of things, like Sabon's death feels like waste hmm. like i mean there's no reason like he didn't do anything at dagliash i think that would justify him dying there like like he kind of died for nothing are you not happy he's dead <laughs> i mean it was a bittersweet <laughs> It was. I f I felt I felt a little little bad for him. I guess. Um, Sabon was growing growing on you. Maybe a little. Um. He, but he he did he did um, he did mess it up mess it up towards the end again. Uh, I don't know. He's just like someone who's like so obsessed with like glory and just 
always being like the most powerful and most like competent or I don't know it's I don't it's just not so I not, not not someone that I would really like I wouldn't really enjoy his company I think he gets to be remembered forever as the most powerful competent man to die in Dagliash now yeah it's I still think it's a pretty dumb death. Like, couldn't have Kellis just, like, tr you know, it, like, I, I'm sure that Kellis could have, like, transported at least one person away from Dagliash. Like, maybe not the entire, um, the entire legion or, like, how many people were there, but at least, like, a couple of people. Is it because Kellis knew he would be damned? That Sabon would be damned, and that's why he left him. Well, that's why he sent him. He wanted someone to go hang out with Sarway. <laughs> I don't know if that's how it works. <laughs> May, I don't know, but may, maybe someone was not useful anymore. Hmm. Maybe, maybe Proyas, maybe Kellis thought that Proyas needed to be left on his own like left to his own devices Saban's a lesson possibly I don't know me would make Proyas feel better or well it seemed like they were kind of bonding a little bit I mean now yeah. Proyas is like truly alone yeah yeah um and I mean Kellis says when he when he sees the coffer for the first time, he says something like, uh, "Like oh, Sabon asks, <laughs> <laughs> Sabon asks him what it means or what it says, and he says um, that it means that not everyone can be saved." And I didn't know if he was at the time. I didn't know if he was referring to like the battle. Or like to, to the people who were at Dagliash, where he was like speaking more broadly, like if, if he was talking about like salvation in, in general, and the fact that he would have to sacrifice some people in order to stop the consult and prevent damnation. In this in this book, physics and metaphysics get obscured a lot it's hard to tell which is which at times yeah and, and he also says he also says that that is a good thing that not everyone can be saved which i don't know like i also don't know what that means or what he's referring to because he can only take so many people with him well, he didn't take anyone. Oh, I mean, that's his end, his end goal. There's really room for so many. And Saban was damned, so. But then, I mean, that's 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 uh, dangerously close to what what the consul is trying to do. <laughs> well, they're, like they're all. Maybe he's saying he doesn't want to go to heaven with the consul. <laughs> doesn't want the synthes flying around up there. 
is but if I mean if they if the console succeeds, there is no hell or people don't go to hell, but I think there's also no heaven. There's callous. There's been very little talk about heaven. That is true. And it seems yeah. like it just might be a place where gods eat too. Because gods must eat. No, I don't know. Yeah. Well, to everyone, have you seen the have you seen the TV show, the sitcom, The Good Place? No, is it good? A, a little. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm not gonna. Well, it it reminds me of 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 that show a little bit, but I'm not gonna spoil it then, for for anyone else either. Like if they have not seen it, but there is a twist of sorts um, that would be funny if if something something similar happened also in this book. We'll have to talk about it after we stop recording. You're saying this series could end with a big laugh? More of a... (laughs) Maybe incredulous laugh? Possibly. Hmm. So... Do we know what happened to Sekris, the 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 mandate schoolman, who flies off to battle it out with Orang, and then we never hear of him? No, we only know that he finally found his old foe. And... Kind of maybe went crazy, like seemed like a lot of the army was beginning to go crazy and just break lines and charge. But we don't know anything about the aftermath of Dagliash yet. Just, yeah. just, just that we had a like an atom bomb go off in the fantasy world. Yeah, I I was yeah I was a little surprised that Orang would be there, if he knew that everything was going to blow up within the next few minutes or hours. Man, you want to watch it? If you know the coolest fireworks about to go off, you want to at least watch it. Yeah, maybe from a safe distance. Yeah, safe distance. Two two big chapters full of a lot lots of battles. I didn't. But it was Felt fun. Like yeah. yeah, I I did enjoy it. Isterbent was. There's very little battle going on. It was a uh, more of like a horror filled journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say amusement park ride. Yeah, they get on the thing and it just clock clocks them down into hell. Hmm. And it talked about like Sorwill was saying how like 
horrible it must be to be down in what they call the gloom where no one could talk and everyone was silent. And he told them that even the gloom is a blessed in interval between what awaits. So like damnation is so bad that even these ghouls like got it easy compared to what it's going to be like for them as soon as they're dead. Even the tall down there eating swine in complete darkness, like that's a that's a good a good fate for them. And it kind of, it like alluded to the fact that they were kind of like hiding from there, trying to hide from the starving sky and the silence of as close to the outside as they could get. Can we take a moment to appreciate Oinerol and and his sacrifice? I felt like it was like one of the few like nice people that we've met in the entire series. Like someone was actually trying to do like the good thing, the right thing, and then he just ends up dying this stupid death. Seems like when most people try and do the the right thing or like the honorable thing in this series, they die terribly. <laughs> yeah. I think it's interesting you're calling the non men nice, like like he didn't kill tons of people before or have a bunch of slaves or. I thought he was. I thought he was like a teacher. I thought he was not a warrior, and that's why everyone else, every other non man, just mocked him. Yeah, I think that might have been true, but I can imagine he didn't kill anyone in thousands of years. Okay, fair enough. Um, but, you know, <laughs> com like, just compared to all the other non-men that Sorwila encounters in his Terebinth, he was, like, trying to do... Like, he was, like, one of the few who actually saw what was happening to them and but uh un united or allying themselves with like the the creatures that killed all, all their wives and daughters might not be like a good idea maybe maybe he went to heaven or to a less bad hell. Maybe he's just with Sabon and Serway, where the other non-men, I think, are much, much deeper in the hell. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It, it's just like after all the talk, like after all, like the whole time when he talked about like how horrible, like what horrible fate it awaits the non-men when they die and like how, to what lengths they go to prevent their deaths to then have him die it felt so much worse because of that and it seemed like Sorwill realized he knew that he went to die and that he was just supposed to make sure that he told him the message after he raged and killed him and he was grieving Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's what uh, seems to have happened. 
But so is this the end of Ashtarabant? Like, are they all just gone? Is if if that's it, then I'm a little bit disappointed. I was like looking forward to, you know, exploring Ashtarabant and like living with the non-men and learning from them, and it's. It all went down in flames pretty quickly. I, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to think there's more to explore there, but. I guess just like Dagliash, we don't quite know what happens afterwards. Here we only know that Sirway started seeing her father's dread portion. Who knows what that'll do to the mountain. And that some guy came up from the furthest bowels and raged out on the king and lit him on fire. <laughs> oh, that was pretty funny. Oh, can you guys think of anything else? It was sad to me how I think when Oinara was like looking at or no when the who's the soul that was with Sorwell? I can't think of his name. When he was looking at his lover, I think he was thinking like the disgust for making as a woman with a man and how like that's blasphemous in itself and that I think is basically what all non men have become now, right? There's no women. In in Istrabinth. Well, there's the Mwama. I I think that that's even more like blasphemous to them. That's I don't know though. But I think well the way I understood it when he was talking about it being being blasphemous, I thought that was like surreal making a judgment about what he was remembering. Like, I don't think that was the non-man. Thinking, thinking that what, was, what he did that, was bad? Yeah, I, I I mean, I don't know, I could be wrong, but I the way I read it, I thought it was like, yeah, Sorwheel's reaction. Like, Sorwheel's gut reaction to, like, first reaction, the way, like, his first reaction to, to, to the, to that memory, and then that that it follow with like him also feeling like the like profound love and 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 like the history that he that like his the the soul inside him had had with that other non man that soul inside of him they said was like the most evil of all of the non men too so <laughs> yeah that that bad deed was a speck of sand on a beach of the, all the bad shit that guy's done probably so you're probably right it was more sore will judging that chapter it becomes hard to tell what what is sore will's thought and speech and what is the cauldron on his head's thought and speech yeah, no, for sure. I, d I don't know that we ever had any information about how non-men feel about, like, non-heterosexual relationships. 
I don't think they, I don't think it ever really got mentioned. Mm. But, you know, as you say, it's, it's kind of hard to tell what Sorwheel's thinking and what thoughts are not his own. Almost like a, like a possession story. He's struggling going back and forth with who's in control. And now we'll see if he walks out of the mountain more than he was when he walked into the mountain. If he still possesses like non-men historic thoughts. Or if he's back to just more being the little confused kid again. Probably not, but we'll, we'll see how he comes out of the mountain. I'm curious to see that. Um, I, he went through a lot. So to then just forget everything would be a little bit disappointing. Yeah. Um, but his brain could also be just like scrambled. Um, because like the separation from the, the, the helm wasn't very, it didn't seem like it was very subtle. And the connection is a man, a man and a non-men together, and they're not the same either. The ghouls didn't deal with thousands of years very well. And it seems like Sorwell kind of had thousands of years of thoughts in his head abruptly. He, he can't come out the same, right? It's, he'd change somehow. After that experience. But it's Sorwell, so who knows? <laughs> well, he loved Sarway when he went in, and I have a feeling he's going to love Sarway when he comes out. Seems like everyone loves Sarway. Who does? Well, I'll be a team Theliopa. Whether she's weird or not, she at least kind of guessed what Kellis was, whereas the rest of them didn't. Yeah, she. It's, it seems like most people tend to underestimate how intelligent she is. Because of her negative human traits, her stuttering and just complete awkwardness, inability to look people in the eye. Wardrobe. <laughs> it's funny that um, you know, there was, there's a few diehards that come by every every week. It's pretty neat. Yeah. Frank's awesome. It's awesome to hear his thoughts. I'm hoping to do like a, maybe a little private group where we can all just mm -hmm. talk afterwards. Anyone who kind of read along. That'd be cool. I'll host it, Steve. You don't have to come, but you're invited. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So uh, before we go, uh, we could do outros, but I think... I mean, we can all be found on pagetwing.com, basically, in a nutshell. Uh, you can tag us there if you want to talk, or we have all the threads, the discussion threads, and uh, I try and post the links there for the podcast and the um, YouTube videos. I'm a little bit behind, but yeah, go check us out there. That's the best place to get in touch with us. And 
join in on the fun. So well, thanks. It's always a pleasure talking to you guys and <laughs> the series. It's wild, but awesome. So we will see everyone in two weeks or maybe next week. We'll let you know. We'll yep. let you know. We will see you guys for the end. To the end. Yeah. Bye.